In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to my Partner Up with Amy Carroll podcast series. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the December episode of my podcast series. Now, if you want to find out more about me or my previous guests, feel free to listen to past episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel, and you can just download that app or tune in using your favorite podcast app. If you missed my last podcast, I interviewed Yogesh Sony, and we discussed his book, Digital Belonging, which is aimed at leaders who genuinely care about their people and want to build high-performing teams and organizations. Yogesh's dream is that everyone in the world feels valued in their jobs. So head over to the replay of that inspirational November show. Now, listeners, my guest today is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, Salesforce executive, future work strategist, keynote speaker, Thinkers360, and TEDx speaker, Karen Manja. I just, before we started, before we started uh, the interview, I said, Karen, you got to tell me how to pronounce your name. So now I might have to say it like that every single time. Welcome, Karen. And I love that you did it with a hand gesture. It feels so authentic. Yes, that's a big one for me. I love gestures. So, Karen, before we jump into some questions, I want to give the listeners even a little more background on you. So, listeners, Karen is one of the most sought-after thought leaders in the world. And she has shared her thought leadership with, get this, over 15,000 organizations during the course of her career. She's the host of the podcast, Success From Anywhere, the author of multiple books. Let me list the titles of those. Success From Anywhere, Create Your Own Future of Work From the Inside Out, Working From Home, Making the New Normal Work For You, Listen Up, How to Tune Into Customers and Turn Down the Noise, and finally, Success With Less. So Karen, I'm hoping you'll share some of your insights from those books with us today. I will. Okay, good. And Karen's also a prolific blogger and sought-after media interviewer. She's been featured in Forbes and regularly contributes to Thrive Global, Authority Magazine, ZDNet, Thinkers360, has named her number nine on their list of global thought leaders and influencers on health and wellness, and number 12 for mental health. And one of the top 150 business-to-business thought, business-to-business thought leaders to follow. Oh, and listeners, in case the name didn't indicate it, she's also a professionally trained chef. Karen, do you have like a certain style of food or cooking that you have a, an affinity for? I love to make food that connects me with who I am and my heritage. And as a result, I make a lot of Sicilian and Italian food. And I also love to bake. Okay. Mm. I bet the holidays around your place are just 
lots of people and lots of wonderful smells is what I'm guessing. Yes, as one of my friends likes to say, every night at Karen's house is a dinner party. And in fact, I spend the three days at the beginning of the Thanksgiving week each year baking with two friends I met in culinary school. I could regale you with tales of the inputs. Essentially, the outputs are many, (laughs) many dozens of cookies, 15 to 20 cheesecakes, then chocolate mousse pie, pecan pie, pumpkin pie, cherry pie, apple pie, soccer tarts, linzer tarts, bourbon chocolate, pecan tarts. I could go on. Oh, my God. It's probably starting to just like that Forrest Gump list where he does all the waste. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Right. I remember that. Yeah. Jeez. Impressive. Um, So, Karen, I want to jump into this is a perhaps a deep question to start with, and I'm confident you can handle it. Your setback to come back. It inspired you to redefine your relationship with success. And I'm guessing started you on the path you're on today. Tell us about that experience. Tell us about, you know, take us like on the inside and share the discoveries with us. Have you ever noticed how we all have that inside voice that talks to us from time to time? And usually it's telling us things that we need to hear And we're usually not quite ready to listen. And I was the same way. In my case, that inside voice started small and noticing a few things that didn't seem quite right. It started with gaining a little bit of weight. And I thought to myself, well, I'm in sales leadership. We're out with a lot of customers. Naturally, as a result of that, I'm eating extra food at dinner, you know, having that glass of wine I might not normally be having on a Tuesday. Then to make up for that, I would miss some exercise time in the morning because I was trying to do the work that didn't get accomplished when I was at the dinner. We all know this cycle. We've done this before. And then I started feeling a little bit more tired. Well, the symptoms got more and more severe. And I kept explaining them away. Like we often do when our inside voice says things to us like, are you happy? Is this who you really are? Is this working for you? These little signs that we're living outside of alignment with our values. Mm. And for most of us, that comes to fruition in an impossible to ignore moment. Mine was the moment I went to call my brother and I picked up my mobile phone and I looked down and I couldn't remember his name. Oh, wow. I have one brother. I talk to him every single week on the phone. It took me a process of elimination to deduce. We had the same last name and through process of elimination, I narrowed down and could select from a smaller list in my phone who he was. It was an impossible to ignore moment. Because I was progressively tolerating a set of symptoms as opposed to paying attention to what mattered most, which was my health and well-being. Mm -hmm. Unbeknownst to me at the time, that ended up taking me on a journey of major medical misdiagnosis that lasted three and a half years. And it might surprise you to discover looking at me now that during that period of time, my hair fell out, my skin turned gray. I had crushing fatigue. I gained 55 pounds without having a baby. And one day I looked in the mirror and my eyes had literally changed color. You know, we use that expression. I don't recognize the person looking back at me in the mirror. I literally did not. And 
I felt terrified and hopeless and alone because no one knew what was wrong with me. Yeah. And I never missed a single day of work for being sick. Wow. And that sounds horrible when I say it out loud, because when I got a correct diagnosis, it took another five years to get to a completely clean bill of health. Mm -hmm. And yet in that moment was a gift because in that moment, I redefined my relationship with success. For the first time in my life, I had true clarity about what mattered most. And I was willing to reprioritize my life to realize that outcome of being healthy and well enough to enjoy my life. Now, the great irony of my diagnosis is that I was diagnosed with DDT pesticide poisoning. Oh, wow. If you're looking for something to try, I do not recommend a mug of pesticide. If you know that's on special at your local happy hour, I'd probably skip it. But here's what's interesting. You know, I had poison literally coursing through my body that was causing significant disruption. Mm -hmm. And the way that I got so sick and stayed there so long is that I was holding a toxic set of beliefs yeah. about what success looked like and what I was willing to do to get it. Yeah. So, oh, Karen, let's just stop a second. That Say that again. That is so powerful. Yeah. I was holding on to a toxic set of beliefs yeah. about what defined success and what I was willing to sacrifice to realize success. I'm going to guess there's a lot of listeners out there that are probably nodding their heads thinking, wow, that sounds familiar. Yes, and your story may not be major medical. And what I have come to understand, though, is we are all holding on to some kind of a toxic belief. Yep. We're all progressively tolerating yep. circumstances and stories and beliefs that do not serve us. And yep. I think what the pandemic surfaced is what we have been settling for, particularly in our relationship with work. We've settled yep. for approval when our deepest desire is for acceptance. Yeah. So we've settled for mandates. <gasps> Hold on. That's another one. We've settled yeah. for approval when what we really, our deepest desire is acceptance. So true. <gasps> we've settled for mandates when our deepest desire is for meaning. Mm -hmm. And look at these returned office mandates. Get back to the office and people are thinking, why? Yeah. And I think ultimately, we realize now that we've settled for blending when our deepest desire is belonging. Yes. And when you think about what happens, we take clues from around us about how to be successful. And very often what we interpret from that is how to blend in strategies to become masterfully adaptable. And the reality is belonging is based on bonding, not on mm -hmm. blending. Yeah. Belonging is based on being who you authentically are. And belonging is operating from a set of beliefs that serve you well. Yep. And we've come to this point of realizing that we're no longer willing to settle. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is, uh, at what point in this journey, let's say the, let's count eight years, did was there a point of realizing the enormous gifts that this had given you? Yes. And what I like about what you're saying is that all of these setbacks or moments of great awakening can be gifts and opportunities if we choose to see them that way. The first gift for me from major medical 
was coming to an understanding of how to define success on my own terms mm. and to make the changes in my life that were necessary to make my definition of success a priority, to make sure I was living in alignment with my values and success with less. I talk about the new formula for success I discovered, which was pause, ponder, prioritize. Nice. Pause, yeah, think ponder, about what matters most, right? Release the obligations that no longer serve you to make yeah. room for the people and experiences that do. That was certainly the first gift. Mm. The second gift is an opportunity to share my story in service of others. People are often shocked because if you looked at my LinkedIn, it would be difficult to detect some sort of major medical setback because it all looks rosy and wonderful. And what I think about is, how's the LinkedIn of your life? <laughs> you know, at the time that that LinkedIn was amassing wonderful accomplishments and accolades and progress, I was going downhill personally. Yeah. I share my story to be in service to others to say, you're not alone. And you get to choose what success means to you. And you are granted the permission to live that definition of success unapologetically. Yeah. The only person that has to wake up in your life is you. Yeah. And that, of course, has set me on a storytelling journey that ultimately makes it possible for people to live well and to work well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I find so many people I encounter on a daily basis who are stuck at this crossroads between career rich and life poor. Yeah. And they know they're stuck and they don't want to live that way anymore. Yeah. They just struggle to find a path forward. And the beautiful news is those roads can converge. You Absolutely. can Yes, you can leave work better than you entered it. You can leave work and not need to go to the bar or the therapist or the doctor to recover from work. We can change our relationship with work and how it shows up in our lives. And what I discovered, really, the ultimate gift from that experience is when we change our relationship with work, everything changes. Okay, so let me pick up on that because to then transfer that to your clients, how do you coach others to redefine their relationship with success? Redefining your relationship with success begins by reconnecting with your values. Okay. And I take teams and leaders and organizations through the stress-free experiment. Doesn't oh, that yes. sound wonderful? I, I, I saw the video on this. Tell, tell the listeners about this one. Yes. Researchers at Stanford were listening to a group of university students who reported a high degree of burnout due to uncertainty about the future and too many things to do. I don't know if that sounds relatable <laughs> at all. And so they took the students and they gave them an assignment. They said, over the upcoming university break, we want you to spend 10 minutes each day with a physical pen and paper. And there is magic in brain science to why okay. physical pen and paper matters. And set a timer for 10 minutes. Simply write. It doesn't matter what you write. We're not grading your grammar, your punctuation, your spelling. You don't even have to read what you write. Do that. And then like great scientists, they selected a small group of students and they said, for you, we have a special assignment for you. We want you to spend 10 minutes writing about your top values. Excuse me. I just got to turn on the lights in the office. <laughs> it was an epiphany. It was illuminating, <laughs> an illuminating insight. They said, we want you to write about your top value and how your top value shows up in your everyday life. 
After the break, the scientists collected the journal pages and they continued to study the performance and well-being of the students in the months that followed. Now, here's what's fascinating. They have repeated this experiment hundreds of thousands of times with everyone from entrepreneurs to executives and everyone in between, and the results are the same. When you are clear about your values and how your values show up in everyday life, you will demonstrate the ability to access higher degrees of adaptability, resilience, the ability to tap into new ideas, lower levels of burnout, and higher measurable levels of performance, even if you only complete the stress-free experiment one time. Amazing. Yes. The first activity that I do with people, in fact, I just led a workshop in a beautiful retreat area for 55 senior quota-carrying leaders. And this was the first activity we did. We got out a pen Mm -hmm. and paper and we wrote about our values. And when I asked the leader to share the value with the leader sitting next to them, the question I asked the listening person to ask in response was, why does this matter to you so much? Nice. And you know what they discovered? They discovered they do share. And we as human beings share many values. We tend not to articulate those values. And as as the leader in service of someone else, We very rarely ask the people we're serving, what's your top value? Why does that matter to you so much? How can I make sure that shows up for you? They discovered they had lots of core values in common. Now, how those showed up in terms of execution in day-to-day life or work life certainly varied, and that's great. When we return to our values, that's how we have a solid foundation. That's how we stop settling. It starts there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing I like to ask people to do is to examine your calendar and assess how much of each day are you living in alignment with that top value? Yeah. Because the reality is if everything is important, then nothing is important. So I like to ask three challenge questions and a bonus question to my own calendar and my own to-do list that I've discovered work for everyone to create space. Those three questions and the bonus question, and this is always what I encourage people to do next. You have to make space for what matters most, even in small increments. Yep. The questions are one, does it have to be? Oh, right. Two, does it have to be me? Three, does it have to be me right now? And bonus question for the win, does it have to be a meeting? Does it have to be? Does it have to be me? Does it have to be me right now? And does it have to be a meeting? Fabulous. You know, Karen, when I watched one of the, because these are um, listeners, you can go to Karen's website and sign up for her podcast and watch these videos. And they're just, just like these just delightful little inspirational moments. And so Karen, I asked myself the question, well, Amy, what's your top value? And I did this exercise when I started my business 22 years ago. Karen, I was horrified what I came up with. My top values were fun and play. And I remember asking myself, how will I ever make any money if all I want to do is have fun? And lo and behold, it's worked out pretty well. Um, And uh, and so I really encourage listeners to be bold and trust that process and, and see what comes up when you ask that question. Very cool. Fun and play are important. And people love to be around people who can make something fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's one of the other, you talk about that, about the importance of play. We're going to take a break in a couple minutes, though. Before we do, did you want to expand on that thought? One of the reasons I love to cook is because cooking is play. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about, you know, being a kid, maybe you're with your grandmother in the kitchen, whatever nostalgic memory comes up for you. But didn't you like to pour things out of the measuring cup and get the wooden spoon and stir? I think about how restorative that is for me. It's a form of play, you know, get your hands in the dough for someone else that might be gardening. I'm also taking tap dancing lessons now as an adult for the first time to tap into more joy. And it's <laughs> something I gave myself permission to do not to get better at it, not even to become nice. good at it, merely for pure play, pure joy. And I have to tell you, Tap Dance Tuesdays, it'll change your life. <laughs> I'm waking, we can't wait for the video on that one. <laughs> oh, there is one coming is soon. Already? Yes. We talk about uh, adult learning. You'll meet my uh -huh. Tap Dance instructor. It's a full production video shoot. You'll see her teaching me how to do something. We talk about how to tap into a beginner's mind, how to tap into more joy, and how to, how to access our ability to learn. That's great. Karen, I want to ask my next question, which I know is going to take us probably while well, pause and come back to it after the break. Though I want to ask you about the topic of burnout. It is, as they say, a topic of our time. And I personally have come across a lot of people who have suffered from it. And I kind of was at the edge once or twice in my life looking over going, oh, this is not fun. And I'm curious to know, how can we battle burnout and how can we win? Would you like to already start to formulate some thoughts on that? You can come out of the ring swinging and I'll share the story with you after the break okay. of staring into the face of burnout and what I discovered about how to battle burnout and win as a result. Okay, great. All right. So listeners, you can connect and find out more about Karen via her LinkedIn profile, linkedin.com slash IN slash Karen Mangia, M-A-G-I-A. And you can also reach her website, Salesforce, Success with Less, Twitter. And listeners, if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, I'm going to encourage you to join me in Bali. Yes, Bali, that island in Indonesia. Next May, 2023, for the complete retreat. You'll find out more details on the events page of my website, carolcoaching.com. And when we come back from break, we'll be hearing more from Karen. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you have colleagues, family members or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theater as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers 
to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back, listeners. My guest today is Karen Mangia. Mangia. No, Mangia. Mangia. With the hands, Mangia. We've been discussing, we just started getting into the topic of burnout. So, Karen, I want to turn it back to you to hear more about this. Have you ever stared into the face of burnout? I will never forget the time that I watched someone getting completely beaten down. We've all seen this. We've been these people too. Maybe the face of burnout you're staring into is your own. Maybe that's why you're listening to this show today. Well, there was a fascinating strategy. I mean, as this person who was completely burnt out round after round trying to battle back, kept taking punches as the hits kept coming, he had a very interesting strategy. He rested on the ropes. He literally let the punches keep coming without fighting back. He conserved energy. And when he decided to stand up and get back in the battle to overcome that burnout, to get back in the ring, he came out swinging. But before he did, he made one power move. He walked up. He looked into the eyes of his opponent. He lifted his arm up pulled the man close and whispered in his ear, is that all you've got? And then he started swinging. That is how Mike Tyson, I'm sorry, not Mike Tyson, Uh, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. And that is how Muhammad Ali became the heavyweight champion of the world. He whispered that phrase, is that all you've got into the ear of George Foreman? And if you watch the interviews of George Foreman later, he's like, yeah, that's all I've got. (laughs) Here's what Muhammad Ali discovered. Here's how he became a champion. He rested. He did that pause that we were talking about earlier. And when he sat on the ropes and rested, he conserved his energy for the battle that mattered most. He didn't swing at every punch. He swung one punch and it was the punch that mattered, the knockout punch. See, when you rest on the ropes, what he discovered is you take the hit, that energy will distribute out across the ropes. He could literally take the punches and come out swinging when he knew it mattered most. And I think about this. Do you know how many rounds you have left in your battle, that burnout battle? Hmm. Are you swinging at every punch, every meeting that comes your way? Are you saying yes? Every task that comes your way, are you saying yes? Okay. Or could you rest for a moment and conserve some energy for what matters most? And going back 
to that values conversation that we were having, when you take a pause, resting on the ropes in our world looks like reconnecting with your values. And I think about it this way, right? Your values are simply an expression of your top preference in any given moment. And at its core, burnout is living outside of your values for an extended period of time. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Got to hear that again. Burnout is the living outside of your values for an extended period of time. Oh, that's so simple. Yes. And what's simple to understand, I should say. Right, right. The, The simplest solution, right, is the most elegant and the strongest. That's always true. What I think about is when you and I are living outside of our values for an extended period of time, we get into that mode where we believe every task is important, every meeting holds equal importance. And so we start swinging at every punch Mm. or at least, you know, putting up our proverbial boxing gloves to try to keep from getting hit constantly Mm -hmm. will wear you down. Why? Because there's no purpose within it. When you don't know what you're swinging at and you're constantly swinging as hard as you can at a moving target, you will burn out. Muhammad Ali was a champion because as he aged, he knew he could not win by being the fastest. Uh That prize fight was later in his life. And what he realized was rest is an asset. Periods of peak Mm -hmm. performance require periods of maximum rest. And even in a high stakes situation, his go-to battle strategy to keep himself from burning out was to rest in the ring. Yeah. Think about this inside of your calendar next week, inside of your to-do list tonight, where could you introduce rest and play like a champion? Oh, This is fascinating to me, Karen, because it's got to be, I'm guessing people's automatic reaction is to do just the opposite. Do more, do more, do more. And then another thing I'm hearing is this daring to give yourself permission to rest. And not only because you need it, because it, it may be the very best strategy to recover. Rest is resistance. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful book. Trisha Hersey wrote, she calls herself the nap minister. She <laughs> talks about how rest is truly a form of resistance in the sense that it pushes back against every traditional societal definition, expectation, and portrayal of success. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Keeping success is the Muhammad Ali float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, and we run that play all the time. Yeah. We think it's being the first one into the burning building, the first to respond to every Slack message, Teams message, email, and request. Yeah. The reality is rest is resistance, and every high-performance athlete and corporate athlete knows that you save your energy for mm-hmm. what matters most because yeah. that's when you can pack a punch. When you're coming from yeah. a place of being fully rested. That's where impact comes from. That's how you land. Yeah. So the name of the book is Rest is Resistance? Rest is Resistance. And tell me the name of the author again. Trisha Hersey. Trisha Hersey. Oh, that's great. 
And she talks about this also, the concept of rest as a strategy to battle discrimination in the world and to help address diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Really? Wow. She gives people permission to rest, as in you don't have to be the only person carrying the banner and fighting for the rights and the justice and equity of whatever group that you're passionate for. And she literally gathers people together to take small naps. She has people who cry and say, this is the first time in my life I've ever been given permission to rest in the middle of the afternoon for no reason. Wow. She inspiration from her grandmother who would literally, even if she didn't nap, would close her eyes for 20 minutes every afternoon. And as a child, she would come up and try to talk to her and the grandmother would just do the one finger and she asked her, why do you do this? And she said, it's the only tool I have to fight back against an unjust world. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's fascinating. Going back to the idea of countering burnout, this the the idea that when we're away from our values for too long and when i if i go back to uh, my value of fun and play and imagining when i'm feeling that you know kind of edging towards burnout oh my gosh of course fun and play is going to give me back energy and joy and delight so it's just like i said it's just such a clear solution oh thank you for that karen this has been permission so granted. Here's the reality. We all know what we need to do for ourselves. We know what's not serving us. And sometimes we wait for an external entity to grant us permission yep. to do what we already know we need to do for ourselves. And so as a gift to all of your listeners, I offer permission granted. Nice. Yeah, it's funny how that we don't feel like we can give the permission to ourselves. And that's the cool thing. Hold on one second. I'm going to do my. I feel like we're doing uh-huh. synchronous swimming now. But... <laughs> um, I think I forgot what I was going to say. All right. Well, let me move on to the next question I have for you because I want to make sure I get to cover everything. You wrote four books, three of them best selling books during a global pandemic. And and while all while maintaining your job as a Salesforce executive, how did you manage this? Tell us. Divest before you invest. Okay. Here's what I mean by that. At the same time that I was writing multiple books, I was not also deciding to train for an Ironman triathlon and cook Pinterest perfect meals every single day. Divest before you invest means when you are clear about your top priority, create space for that top priority and give yourself permission to pause other activities. Even if you love them, even if you feel that you need to do them, pause or postpone them temporarily to make room for your top priority. And I'll I'll give you an example of this. So if you if you think about these books, it's very interesting. I the Listen Up book I contracted to write in February of 2020, and when the whole world shut down, my thought was, I won't be on an airplane. I'll be in the same bed every night, keeping the same hours in the same time zone. I could potentially write a better book and have that take less toll on myself. So I submitted that manuscript May 1st, 2020. A week and a half later, I was talking with my senior editor at Wiley. 
And I started getting curious and asking her questions about what it's like to work from home in the publishing industry. I work in high tech. We knew how to use the tools. Yes, the context was very stressful and uncertain, of course. However, we weren't trying to figure out how to use video conferencing technology from our laptops like many other people were. And she started describing some of the trials and tribulations. And I shared with her that I was writing a blog about working from home and how well it was doing. And she said, working from home, do you think you could write a book about that? And I laughed. (laughs) I could do that in my sleep. No, you can't, by the way. You cannot write a book in your sleep. (laughs) She said, do you think you could do it in two weeks? Oh, my gosh. And I said, no. What's in your coffee cup? She said, how about 30 days? And I said the two words that changed everything for me, and they will for your listeners too, why not? So I did. I wrote Working From Home in less than 30 days. From the time she and I had that conversation until I held that physical book in my hand in August of 2020 was 87 days. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure. Now, here's what I will say. There were a lot of things I did not do during those 30 days so I could write that book. And when that 30-day period was over and I submitted the book, I did not continue in that same pattern. Right. I stopped. Right. And see, here's what happens. So often we create this pattern of busy, busy, go, go, go. And it's the high stakes, high priority deliverable. And then we never stop. We mm-hmm. just make that the new way we live. So I stopped. And then, you know, I started cooking again and you know, not working seven days a week, it was worth it, but it was a short burst of activity. And I gave myself permission to not do something in order to make room for that priority. Certainly worthwhile. And then as you carry that forward, you know, I thought, well, working from home, this will be a topic for, you know, through the end of 2020, then we'll all go back to the office and, you know, this will all be forgotten. Well, as you know, and as your listeners know, it didn't exactly happen that way. Instead, people started saying, well, now what? I mean, we're not all working from home and we're not going back to the way it was. Now what? And so success from anywhere was in response to that question. Now what? To look in the direction of how to construct a future of work that works for everyone. And also as an invitation to freedom, you know, the freedom to choose your values, the freedom to choose how work shows up in your life. Mm -hmm. And that's why the book also includes a playbook of 10 games that individuals, teams, and organizations can play to change the game of work and how it shows up in your life and in your organization. Can you uh, share one of those games? I, I don't know how complex it would be. Or The myths and misconceptions of work game is a great one. There's a scoring mechanism in there as well. And what we do is we would take something like, you have to come to the office three days a week because mm-hmm. that's the best way for our team to be effective. And someone could choose to challenge. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Now, if you can debunk that belief, you get some points. Mm-hmm. It's simple things like that. The stress-free experiment is in there. There's a yes and game that plays on the improvisation technique. So you take an area where you, are, where you are stuck and it helps you look in the direction of new choices. There's a game called I Wonder to help you see new possibilities inside of old problems. Very simple conversational constructs. Yeah. It's gamified to make it fun and engaging. Excellent. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me. I am a big improviser. I I like to use it in my work and in my life, and I perform in two troops. And it helps me to really 
keep this part of my brain. In fact, I'm gonna I want to ask you a question about mindset. And when I talk about the partner mindset where I'm holding high respect for myself, high respect for the other. And improv is one of the tools that helps me to keep that attitude well oiled. Yes. Yeah. And what I like about what you are saying is it reminds me of one of the core principles and experience moments of what happens in improv. I was fortunate to do a few sessions with the group that works at Second City, right? The sort of ultimate improv. Yeah. And they teach you in those sessions, as you know, that in improv, you must respect your partner exactly to what you're saying. You must respect what shows up in the scene, regardless of what you are handed. And you must always build on that. And as we were doing our prep session and getting ready to go live on a big broadcast for hundreds of thousands of people, I heard people start saying to each other, backs, 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 Uh. backs. (laughs) I said, what does that mean? They said, oh, it's our shorthand version way of saying, I've got your back. And I thought, what would change inside of every meeting if going into it, our premise was, I will find something to agree with about what you say. I will operate from the perspective of fully supporting you and your thought. I will speak into the conversation, whatever shows up in the scene. I will take what I've heard and make it better. And I will communicate to you, I've got your back. Mm. Gorgeous. Karen, we only have a few minutes left. So I want to, I have two more questions for you and I'm going to combine them and you get to choose how you want to answer them. Okay. So as I mentioned a moment ago, I'm a big believer in the mindset. You talk about the uh, power of mindset. So first question is from the power, from that, your perspective, what's the mindset of a successful person? And then the other question is how to remove obstacles to our own success. So that might be something you can combine together. Accept, adapt, accelerate. Accept, adapt, accelerate. Okay. Give us more. That is the mindset of a successful person. Uh Accept says, I will accept what is in front of me. I will not resist it. Nice. I will not try to change it. I, I will not spend my best energy pushing back against something that I cannot change. I will accept. It doesn't mean you have to like it. It means I accept what is. Adapt says, in light of accepting that this is the situation, what choices do I see? Accelerate says, how do I one choice at a time, five minutes at a time, move myself closer to putting those choices into effect and creating momentum. Even if you spent five minutes a day, a 1% daily improvement on whatever your challenge might be, will more than double your progress in 72 days. Oh, wow. Uh, let me just go back to the first one, except I love that because it, it's to me, that's a sign of emotional intelligence. You're not fighting the situation and you're not in that kind of, it's not fair. It shouldn't be, you know, I think it's Katie, um, Byron Katie, who says, Byron Katie, loving what is, yes. Yeah. And if you don't accept it, it's a sign of insanity or something like that. Yeah. Yes, yes. I love her questions, right? Is that true? Is that absolutely true? What evidence can you offer that that is absolutely 100% true? And my favorite question of all of them, because I think the real power is here, who would you be without that story? 
I ask that question to people and they go, uh, uh, <laughs> you could just say, oh, what? I don't understand. <laughs> it takes them a minute to get their brain around it. Yeah. Yes. And so tell us more about removing obstacles to our own success. Removing obstacles involves seeing that saboteur when that saboteur crops up. We all have that inside voice. You know, some will talk about imposter syndrome for others. It might be you're hyper rational. I mean, everything is black and white, right or wrong. For somebody else, you might be the victim. You know, everything else is always happening to you. Somebody else might be an avoider. You know, it's not that bad. I'll just ignore it and it will go away. We all have a saboteur voice inside of us. Uh huh a judge that judges us and our circumstances and others. You might have imposter syndrome. You might be an avoider. If I just ignore it, it will go away. You might be a pleaser. I'll just keep trying. You might be an achiever, however that shows up for you. The first most powerful step is recognizing when that saboteur is showing up in your situation and telling you something that is not true, that does not serve you. And instead, channeling yourself into a sage mindset where you are curious, where you're asking questions, where you are observing what is happening from a more detached point of view and thinking about in light of whatever is happening, how do I use my powers of curiosity, creativity, and choice to go in a new direction without getting completely derailed? Mm, Beautiful. In the few minutes we have remaining, do you have an example of a success story that you'd like to share? Personally or of someone I coached? You get to decide. It could be yours. It could be someone else's. We I'll leave it for you. Wow. Um, that may be the hardest question I have been asked in a long time, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know what? I, hmm. While you're thinking Here's of it, a, yeah, yes, go ahead. This might somehow inspire you. Um, when I was watching one of your video shorts, uh, I really was touched by one of the the inspirations. You said, "You know, we are on the climb of our lives," referring yes. to the experiences we're each having, and be sure to stop and enjoy it along the way. We hear that: stop and smell the coffee, smell the roses, smell something good, um, and it's just so true. So, thank you for that reminder. Yes. And what I like about what you're saying and what it reminded me of is a young woman who came to me for some career coaching. She had been out of university for over a year and was working as an assistant manager in retail. And the primary catalyst for wanting to change her job was she didn't want to have roommates anymore (laughs) and needed to make enough money to pay rent. And this is recent. So you can imagine the price of rent. And as I had a conversation with her, what I realized was sabotaging her. The story she was telling herself was she wasn't capable, that she didn't Mm -hmm. have something to offer. And she was really facing a crisis of confidence. She was actually quite talented. And I coached her through discovering her strengths and tapping into some strategies to confidently express those And I introduced her to a few folks in my network and she got hired from one of those introductions. And she is now in her own apartment for the last six months and six months into her new career and flourishing. And what she shared back with me as feedback was you helped me see potential in myself that Mm -hmm. I could not see. And to me, 
helping people discover and realize their full potential, freeing people from those saboteur voices and inviting them to step into who they are meant to be and the life they are meant to have, mm-hmm. for me, is the ultimate kind of success. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful summary and a perfect place to wrap up. Uh, Karen, I'd like to offer the listeners a call for action that they should absolutely subscri- subscribe to your podcast, Success From Anywhere. And listeners, you can find this on all major podcast platforms and YouTube. So you can also reach out to Karen, remember, on her LinkedIn profile, salesforce.com, successwithless.net. So with that, Karen, before I let you go, is there one other, an additional call for action that you'd like to offer to the listeners? As soon as this podcast is over, what is one five-minute commitment you can release that no longer serves you to make room for something that joyfully does or that's in alignment with your values. Okay, listeners, you've got the challenge. That's from Karen. From me, listeners, I'll invite you to send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes. You can do that via email or social media, and I will read and discuss them on future podcasts, make suggestions. My email is amy at carolcoaching.com. That's two R's and two L's. And this is the last interview for 2022 on the Partner Up with Amy Carol host page. So listeners, if you'd like to continue to follow me in 2023, head over to my SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, Deezer channels and connect with me on Facebook or Instagram, Amy Carol Coaching. Thank you for your amazing support over the last two years, listeners. It's been quite a ride and Absolutely delightful with Voice America. And Voice America team, thank you for your very professional support. It was a pleasure for me to work with you. Wishing you a beautiful time over the festival holidays and a successful 2023. Also, listeners, don't forget to reach out to me for the retreat in Bali if you want to upgrade your relationships and reach new heights. And offer I'll offer you a communication overhaul. Details on my events page, carolcoaching.com. All right. So, Karen, a moment to thank you. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.